Washington was of the industrious class who occupied a position of distinction, for he surely spent his money on personal decoration. On occasion, he could dress better than the mayor of Willemville himself, or at least in more colors, which was the main thing to the minds of his admirers. His ideal had been the late gallant Henry Johnson, whose conquests in Watermelon Alley, as well as in the hill shanties, had proved him the equal, if not superior, of any Pullman car porter in the country. Perhaps Peter had too much Virginia laziness and humor in him to be wholly adequate as a successor to the fastidious Henry Johnson, but at any rate, he admired his memory so attentively as to be openly termed a dude by envious people. On this afternoon, he was going to call on old Alex Williams because Alex's eldest girl was just turned 17 and to Peter's mind was a triumph of beauty. He was not wearing his best clothes because on his last visit, Alex's half-breed hound Susie had taken occasion to forcefully extract a quite large and valuable part of the visitor's trousers. When Peter arrived at the end of the rocky field, which contained old Alex's shanty, he stooped and provided himself with several large stones, weighing them carefully in his hand, and finally continued his journey with three stones of about eight ounces each. When he was near the house, three gaunt hounds, Rover and Carlo and Susie, came sweeping down upon him. His impression was that they were going to climb him as if he were a tree. But at the critical moment, they swerved and went growling and snapping around him, their heads low, their eyes malignant. The afternoon caller waited until Susie presented her side to him, then he heaved one of his eight-ounce rocks. When it landed, her hollow ribs gave forth a drum-like sound, and she was knocked sprawling, her legs in the air. The other hounds at once fled in horror, and she followed as soon as she was able, yelping at the top of her lungs. The afternoon caller resumed his march. At the wild expressions of Susie's anguish, old Alex had flung open the door and come hastily into the sunshine. Yeah, you Suze, come along out of there now. What you doing? And how do you do, Mr. Washington? How do you do? How do you do, Mr. Williams? I done found it necessary for the darn near dished net dog of yours, Mr. Williams. Come in, come in, Mr. Washington. Dog no count, Mr. Washington. Then he turned to address the unfortunate animal. Ha, huh, did it hurt? Spears you gonna wind up sauced by the time someone break your back. Pears like I'm gonna club you to your frazzle before you're gonna get some sense. Come on, way away. As the old man and his guest entered the shanty, a body of black children spread out in crescent-shaped formation and observed Peter with awe. Fat old Mrs. Williams greeted him turbulently, while the eldest girl, Molly, lurked in a corner and giggled with finished imbecility, gazing at the visitor with eyes that were shy and bold by turns. She seemed at times absurdly overconfident, at times foolishly afraid, but her giggle consistently endured. It was a giggle in which an irascible but right-minded judge would have ordered her forthwith to be buried alive. Amid a great deal of hospitable gabbling, Peter was conducted to the best chair out of the three that the house contained. And thrown therein, he made himself charming in talk to the old people, who beamed upon him joyously. As for Molly, he affected to be unaware of her existence. This may have been a method for entrapping the sentimental interest of that young gazelle, or it may be that the giggle had worked upon him. He was absolutely fascinating to the old people. 
They could talk like rotary snowplows, and he gave them every chance, while his face was illumined with appreciation. They pressed him to stay to supper, and he consented, after a glance at the pot and the stove, which was too furtive to be noted. During the meal, old Alex recounted the high state of Judge Oglethorpe's kitchen garden, which Alex said was due to his unremitting industry and fine intelligence. Alex was a gardener whenever impending starvation forced him to cease temporarily from being a lily of the field. Mr. Bryant, he certainly got a grand garden, observed Peter. That's so, that's so, Mr. Washington, assented Alex. He got a fine garden. Seems like I never did see such mounds, big as a barrel, layering there. I don't reckon anyone this country can hold a candle of Mr. Bryant when it comes to melons. That's so, Mr. Washington. They did not talk of watermelons until their heads held nothing else, as the phrase goes, but they talked of watermelons.